Welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm your host, Christopher Giel, and with this show, my mission is to empower you. I want to inspire those who have forgotten their true worth, their highest potential, and their ultimate capability. I'll be exploring topics that are aimed towards personal growth to help you gain insight and approach life with new perspectives. I want you to increase your impact and help you live a more fulfilling life because limited thinking equals limited being. Let the show begin. Welcome to today's show of Exploring Possibility. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet and you are listening on iTunes, please subscribe to the show as you will then be notified every Monday of each new episode as it releases. Alternatively, you can also join my email list uh, via my website, exploringpossibility.co.za, where I also notify you every single Monday as the new episodes go live. So in today's show, I interviewed an amazing woman. She's a public figure, radio presenter, and producer, and also occasionally does motivational speaking. Martelise woke up one morning with pain in her legs, and the doctors suspected a virus infection or inflammation in her spinal cord, and this left her paralyzed. This all happened by the age of 14. Martelise has been in a wheelchair ever since, and it's been over 20 years due to this illness that she experienced as a teen. And through her seemingly discomforting situation, she felt complete freedom and joy and chose to look at life through the lens of optimism. In 2012, she started the Pink Penguin Project in support of charities that challenge her outside of her comfort zone. And via this channel, she's undertaken a number of extreme adventures, including things like hiking to Robben Island and visiting the forests of Rwanda to see gorillas all without the use of her legs. And this is what inspires me. She's always described as a vivacious person with a great sense of humor and a lot of exuberance. She commonly gets booked for motivational talks and and uh, MC opportunities, as many people believe that she's got a lot of wisdom to share with the world. And in this interview, we touched on a few things like discussing her fears, discussing why people do what they do. We spoke about the war on comfort zones, how to get beyond your life restrictions and how to deal with indecisiveness. It was quite a jam-packed interview. So yeah, without any further ado, let's jump into the interview and get ready to smother ourselves with gratitude. Hello, Martelise, and welcome to Exploring Possibility. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Great honor. Thank you very much. Very cool well, possibility for the future. Very cool concept. Oh, thank you very much. So just for those that don't know, Martelise is in a wheelchair and I'm chatting with her today because she is very inspiring from what I could see and from what I got from friends and family and some, you know, I got recommendations to interview her. And so today we'll just be diving in to who she is and how she thinks. And I'm going to start off with um, an event that you're actually going to be doing in the, in the next perhaps week or so. It's the 17th Otaniqua Cycle Challenge. So I just want to know, like, what is the race about? And yeah. are you com- competing? What are you competing in? Just give us a little bit of background on that and how that's going to work. I think competing is a strong word. Uh, I go in terms of support, so I do take part. Uh, I think I won one of my, one of the, the they put it in different sec- sections. So I won my section one year, but anyway, it wasn't, it wasn't important for me to win. It's more just a case of taking part. Um, the OCC Challenge is a yearly event in Georgia. It almost didn't happen this year, so they didn't get um, the same sponsorships and they had to push it through with other support this year. Uh, but it's basically the only of its kind in South Africa. They, they are no, even if you talk to the top hand cycling and wheelchair racing, um, you know, top athletes like Adams van Dijk and those guys, uh, they have to go overseas to really compete because there's no uh, such event in South Africa. The OCC is the only event. Um, so it has a very big competitive side. And then it also has just a, a, an event where people can partake on any kind of physical level. Um, in a wheelchair or whatever the case may be. I mean, there are guys there with no arms and one leg taking part, um, that kind of thing. And I think it's a it's a big social event for people. For a lot of people, it's the only event in the whole year that they actually get out. So 
I think it's an empowerment an empowerment event, but it's also a it's the the, the timing and everything. The the competitive side of it is legit. So, um, but they asked me to come every year. I'm happy to go and I go do some interviews and we take part. And last year it didn't go very well because my one wheel was a bit flat. And I only realized that when I, when I took off. Um, <laughs> so that was a disaster. But we finished it. I'm only doing the 10K. So I'm not doing the, I think it's 20 plus um, kilometers that the other guys do. And then they've got wow. the hand cyclists. And then they also have the normal wheelchair competitors like Adams van Dijk. He, he for example, doesn't, uh, doesn't do hand cycling. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's a great event um, and I think people should go and support them. Yeah, I definitely agree, agree with you on that. I mean, I feel so inspired at this moment, just you saying they got to do 20, like over 20 Ks on a wheelchair. I mean, I'm doing that in the road. <laughs> so for me to see someone in a wheelchair pushing themselves forward on that is just extremely fascinating and extremely inspiring to say the least. Uh, I've got a friend in George. I might... Uh, just call him up and tell him about the event if, you have, if he's never heard about it before. But um, just to quickly jump into your background, you lost your the, the ability to move basically in the, and you lost your, your legs basically at a fairly young age. I, I just want to know like, how were you able to deal with that um, big event at such a young age in your life? I mean, it takes quite a mindset. Yeah. So they think in the end it was um, basically uh, not enough iron in my blood and I had inflammation and I couldn't fight the inflammation. And within a morning, I couldn't get up from, from my bed. So it was a very strange thing. I think uh, to answer the question, just firstly, in terms of age, I think when you're younger, you handle things much easier. I, I think it's if you're older, it's more difficult. You are still is it bendable. Is that a good word? Flexible, I think, in terms of your development when you're young. Um, so I don't really know how I dealt about it, dealt with it. I think there's a there's a large part of it that's just complete denial. I'm because a great first I think denial is a great thing. Um, it sounds terrible, <laughs> but you, you need it. It helps with a bit of a balance, a little bit of of protecting yourself when you when you go through that. But I think in the end, is it's it's just a new normal. You just take one step at a time. It's either that or you go and you never move. You never do anything. Um, if you, if you can't say I'm moving forward, then you're literally just stuck in the moment. You might as well stay at home, get a pension for the rest of your life. Don't go to school, whatever the case might be. Um, and in Afrikaans, we do have the word harachat, which means you're a little bit, um, what's the like English for that? Stubborn. Yeah, uh, yeah you're stubborn, very stubborn. <laughs> and I think I'm a, I come from a bit of a stubborn family, um, crazy hardworking, they, they are always, there's always a solution to a problem. There's always a way. And I think um, I do come from that and I have no idea how I handled it. I think it literally is just one step at a time. You decide um, I'm going to live or I'm going to sit in this chair at home um, and not do anything. And I do get a lot of uh, emails throughout the year from people saying, uh, or often I get it where someone says, listen, this young guy uh, was in an accident, he's now paralyzed and he refuses to go outside uh, because there's such a stigma attached to this. Um, but he just refuses to do anything. Can I come talk to them? And, and then I send an email, an encouraging email, but it is, I'm thankful for the fact that I reacted the way I did because you can very easily become one of those people who just refuses to, to do anything because of the fact that everything's difficult. Everything is a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more difficult to get in your car. It's a little bit more difficult to get in your house, to go to a restaurant, to go outside, to use the public toilets, whatever the case may be. Everything's just that little bit more difficult. But um, I am glad that, that I responded the way I, I did. I can't really give any advice as to how to respond because it's a very individual um, issue. And also, um, I'm not a paraplegic, so I can't associate 100% with what someone goes through when they've um, literally lost all their muscles and feeling from the waist down or from the neck. Um, I got some of the muscles back. I have feeling in my legs. So I'm extremely thankful for, for those aspects that I still have. But um, So it's very difficult for me to say how you should react in that situation. But I think it really is just stubbornness and one step at a time and saying, um, I'm not going to just sit here and, and have life do whatever life wants to do with me. I have some control over how I respond. Yeah, that is, that is an amazing answer. I think you summed it up quite well where you said, you're stubborn in the sense that you use it for yourself. You're stubborn in the sense that you, you neglect the entire idea of, of having or being disabled and just said, there must be another way. And you don't care what anyone else thinks. You just took that into your mind and you use that. 
to move forward into life. And I think you also, it's also, it sounds like it's partially ignorance in a good way where you were ignorant to the fact that you, you might not have this sort of life, but you, you're very ignorant to that idea. And you said, well, I'm just going to go my own way. I've got my own vision and I'm going to move forward in that way. I just feel like there are so many people that are, they're also imprisoned in a way. Um, it might not be physically, like you are in a way, in a, in a sense that you don't have your legs to use every day, um, but they are, they are imprisoned in, into a situation and they've got these restrictions on them. We might call it uh, life restrictions for lack of a better word, but how would you suggest people get over that and just try and see past those restrictions? Um, I know you, you've given two tips. Uh, one would be sort of ignorance in a way and the other one would be stubbornness, but that's just your personality. That's your way of growing up. How, how else do you suggest people see past their restrictions, their life restrictions? It is very difficult. Sometimes you feel, I just kind of give up. And I just think to myself, I'm not going out. I'm not in the mood to go to a restaurant, to go to a bar, because frankly, it's just going to be a gesickle. It's going to be a struggle <laughs> all the time. Um, even if there is just one or two steps, the fact that I can't get into that establishment on my own irritates the hell out of me. So uh, in the end, you just get frustrated and you do have those moments. We all have those moments. Um, and when it comes to the ignorance, I think maybe a softer way of putting it is to say that the moment, I mean, I've been, I've been invited to go do, you know, interesting things and go see gorillas and go kayak to an island and back. And I said yes to all those things without at all thinking about the consequences or the implications of my decision. Um, where are you going to go to the bathroom? How is this thing going to work up a volcano? Um, all those things. And I, and I don't think of them on purpose because if I start thinking about them, I'm just never going to do it. And I think that's, that this is kind of a, I don't want to call it a lesson because that sounds very arrogant, but I think it's a lesson to everyone in the world. Someone who wants to write a book, someone who wants to go study a certain direction, an entrepreneur, or someone who wants to start their own business. I'm not saying it's always going to be successful, and that's also okay to fail. But if you overthink it, you will never do it. And I think um, that is important for me for people to remember. Um, and when it comes to realizing that there is a solution for everything, and I always use kind of an example where um, where you go run the, yeah, what is um, an athlete? <laughs> um, so you go and you do hurdles. And I, I was always good at tennis and netball, that kind of stuff, but I was a horrible athlete. I couldn't run to save my life. So it um, was already an issue. But I always think about that in terms of solutions uh, to life. And the fact that we looked at that hurdle and we think there is no way I'm getting over this because I'm not that athlete. Or I can't even jump over it because I can't walk. But there are other ways to get past that. You can walk around it, you can crawl underneath it, or you can just, just get rid of it out of your way and just kick it over. And we tend to look at hurdles as if it's immovable objects. And I find that very frustrating. Um, I hate it when people are in a space of their life that's making them extremely unhappy and there must be some form of mitigation or some form of, of solution. Um, for example, at work, I presented, I, and I do 12 to 3, but I used to do 9 to 12 for 10 years. And that show is uh, broadcast live from the Car Khan Car Festival in Otsuren, the Klein Karua National Kinsterfeest. And... I was never sent there because they thought, no, the wheelchair is going to be too difficult. How are you going to get up to the stage, et cetera, et cetera. There are little rocks in front of the stage. And finally, my boss just decided to send me now because I'm also the producer of the program. And it's only fair that if you're the co-presenter and the producer that you go and represent your own show. Definitely. Uh, one of the festivals in the country, yeah. Um, and it wasn't about the fact that I wanted to stand on a stage. Frankly, I hated it in the beginning. It was just like, please just leave me alone. I just want to be behind uh, behind the scenes. Um, but in the end, we got there. So the sound guys had to carry me up the steps and the little rocks in front of the stage was an issue. And I had to go walk up three um, streets to go look for a building that I can use the toilets, et cetera, et cetera. So it was, was challenging. So the guy that builds the stage comes to me and he says, listen, can't I just build a ramp for you at the back? I'm like, that'd be great. Is it going to be expensive? No, it's a couple of thousand rand more. It's not that, not that expensive. Okay, cool. Here come the sound guys. No, 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 you can't do that. Where are all the bands and their groupies and stuff going to go at the back and all the equipment? And the guy said, well, then just move the stage a meter forward, literally one meter. Oh, okay, so we can do that. Okay, so now we've got the ramp. Um, and then yeah, but the toilets. Yeah, but just rent a, a mobile toilet at the back. Oh, okay, so that's sorted. 
But what about the little rocks at the front? Well, we, we just won't put them there this year. They literally went and put those rocks there for, for example, dust and all that kind of stuff. The year after, they had paved the area and that, that was no longer an issue either. So there are always ways to get past those hurdles. I always say I'm not, I'm not unrealistic. I can't go play netball for the Pratia team or something like that. Never going to play <laughs> at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody my age anyway. But yeah, so it's, but the thing is, they, are, they, they might not be the, the most glamorous or easy answers, but I believe there is always a way around a problem. And it bothers me immensely when someone says, oh, no, 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 you'll never, you'll never, you'll never. Because those words have been, have been said to me so many times, you will never be able to live in Cape Town. You will never be able to drive to Cape Town and back on your own, whatever the case may be. And, um, and I just think, well, why? What is the problem? Why can't we work past this problem? Which we've done, which I've done. So um, I, I hate it when people keep telling people, you can't, you can never, you will never. Um, and even if you can't do exactly that, that you wanted to do, through the process, that dream might change. It might develop in a different uh, direction. But you know, stop telling people they can't. Um, it's absolute nonsense. You gave so many fascinating insights just now. I think people are going to have to rewind and just listen to back to that back to back because you you firstly said that people are basically going to limit you and um, that's their perception on life. And what I love is, and that's what the show is all about, it's I'm trying to create new perceptions and perspectives in life where we try and see things from a different angle or different avenue. And I think that empowers people to move forward. In your case, you were looking for answers um, instead of looking for the blocks or the roadblocks in this case and the things that are holding you back. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's, yeah, I think it's very valuable for people to go and think about how people might be limiting them or they themselves are not looking for the answers because you will find what you do look for, I feel. If, if you had to, for, very quickly on that point, if you had to always um, look at, at those problems and just say you can't, then you I said it before again, I know I'm reiterating, but if I, for example, felt that, oh, how am I going to do Rwanda with the gorillas and when am I going to go to the bathroom? I would have never experienced that. And I took a felty. I, I, <laughs> I, I took a wee uh, in front of a gorilla with a guy with a machine gun standing around the corner. <laughs> um, and if I, if I had thought about that ahead of time, I, a lot of people would have said no. So sorry for interrupting, but those things are so important and it's, Yo, stop, stop telling yourself you can't. Um, it frustrates the hell out of me. Sorry. And I love that. I, I love that. We can, we can do this the entire time because people, some, sometimes they miss these small things, these small insights. I think it's also Richard Branson that said before, you just say yes without even knowing why or how you're going to do it. You just say yes and then you fall in and then you try and figure out the steps to get there. So it's saying yes to more things and then finding out because I also found myself falling into these traps where I'm an overthinker by nature. I always want to overthink and be super critical about things. And I found that is not empowering in any way that is not serving me or, or anyone else for that matter. So for me, myself, I'm also trying to learn these, these new ways of just saying yes, and then jumping in and then trying to figure it out. Even if you fail, you learn something new and you can move you know, on, onwards and try and figure out uh, things as you go along. But yeah, there's, there's this one interesting statement that you have where you say the secret to happiness has to do with the war on comfort zones. Please tell us more about that. I have a big issue, Christopher, when it comes to comfort zones. I love my comfort zone. I've got a, like a spot in my flat where you sit and you drink like a wine, lovely wine, and you watch your favorite series or you're there with great friends that don't um, challenge you necessarily in the things that you need to be someone to be around them. You can just be yourself. Um, I think comfort zones is a, is a very slow but sure way of dying. I think uh, people are not challenging themselves. So they different levels to it. You've got your physical, you've got your spiritual, you've got your emotional um, comfort zones. And um, you've got your political comfort zones. You've got your social comfort zones. And I think especially in South Africa, if you don't expose yourself to the other, um, then you're in big trouble and then you're, you will never understand the other. You will never be able to develop into a country where people understand each other and get along. And I know what it feels like to be the other because people look at you, you're in a wheelchair. Suddenly you are firstly not a woman, you're an it. Um, you, they, they literally, people don't even look at you and talk to you. They'll t- talk to the person next to you and ask them, well, what would she like to drink? And then you're standing right in front of them and they, 
because I, I know what, what it feels like to be treated like the other. And we need to get to know the other. You don't need to be best buddies with the other, but understanding the other person is extremely important. And I think we've given up on understanding or we don't want to because it's out of our comfort zone. And the same when it comes to physical challenges, I always say, um, I always ask an audience who in the last week have felt butterflies on their stomach. Um, who was excited and nervous about something in the last week or in the last month or in the last year for that matter. And you've got one or two hands, maybe if you're lucky in that entire group of people saying they have. Um, and it's, it's not good because if you're never excited about anything, how do you live that way? Then you're living a monotone life. It's fine to be content. I think um, content is a better word to describe what we should be feeling in life most of the time. But happiness is a spike in your heartbeat. It's a spike in your life. Um, you need to have that to grow. You don't grow if you don't have that. Um, and I think a lot of people stagnate and they think they're happy with that. They think it's easier and it's, it's content and it's comfortable, but it's not. Um, then for the first time, again, feeling that excitement, is, it's a wonderful feeling. It's like, a, I'm not saying go bungee jumping. Um, it's like the beginning of a relationship, for example, um, and that attraction and that feeling. Um, and if, if you don't feel that ever again, what a horrible feeling. You get that through so many different interactions in life. So I'm not saying go do crazy stuff, but you need to challenge yourself in some way. And sometimes, I mean, I'm lucky because my job already puts me in that position often to have that feeling. So I don't need to necessarily go looking for it. Um, but a lot of people, you have a very routine life. You have a job that you're not necessarily crazy about, but, ah, you know, it pays the bills and it keeps my bond going, et cetera, et cetera. And you've got the same thing. You get home and you watch some TV and you cook some of the same food you usually cook and it's all very chill. And that sounds wonderful to recharge. But at some point you need to get yourself out of that comfort zone and say, listen, I'm going to challenge myself because it's the only way to grow. Otherwise you're going to be stuck in that position for the rest of your life. So I think it's a, it's a crisis in the world that we are pulling more and more towards ourselves, and we are not getting to know the other. And again, I'm not saying you need to get to know the obnoxious neighbor uh, down the street or expose yourself to people that might be a danger to you. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm, I'm saying read up about other cultures, um, greet people, walk the other way around the block tonight. I mean, it's a simple thing just mix it up and change it up. And it has, I think it has so much value also for relationships. A lot of people get into such a, such a, a lull when it comes to relationships. Um, and then, then they start asking questions about whether they're happy or not and whether they should be still in this relationship or not, um, because you're not putting in the effort. So that's my issue with comfort zones. I think we're in a big, we've got big problems when it comes to that. No, that's awesome. I think that's a, that's a perfect keynote for, for speaking is the comfort zone topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like, always say, even if you go dye your hair pink or paint your nails, the bright tart red, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, do something, something different. And I think it has a lot to do with also people are worried about what other people think of them. So, Oh, but what are the people going to say? What are, what is the, what are the other church members going to say? If you are religious, what are the, what's my work colleagues going to say? Uh, a lot of that holds us back as well in doing what we want to do. Um, and also, for example, in business, I said earlier, for example, someone who wants to become an entrepreneur, they don't do it because it's, it's an uncomfortable thought. Um, but I've, I've, I did a talk the other day and I received a long email from someone who decided they are not going to do the entrepreneur route. And it is scary. Um, it's a scary step to take, but it's either that or you're unhappy for the rest of your life. So it's the only way to grow. Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. That one quote uh, comes to mind that says, your life happens only at the end of your comfort zone. Exactly. There you yeah. go. Um, the one other thing I read once is a comfort zone is a, is a beautiful coffin outlined with lovely material and you're so comfortable there, but it's still a coffin and that's where you are. So the moment you, you get stuck there, that's, that's basically very nice, comfortable spot. It's like Sheldon's spot in the Big Bang Theory. We all have our spot, have your spot, but um, get out of that spot every now and then just to challenge yourself. Yeah, definitely. Because if you don't, if, we, if we're not going to move out of that comfort zone, we're not going to grow. We're actually dying. We, we, like you said, we're going to stagnate and we're just going to be stale and monotone for the rest of our lives. I yeah. think there's a, there's a big thing that we both have in common and that's we're very um, 
passionate about knowing why people do what they do. I just want to know what has your research been on that? Or what has your foundings been? Because you deal with a lot of people daily. I'm sure you get quite deep insight into yeah. why people think the way they think and what, why they do what they do. Yeah, sure. That's a, it's a very complicated one. Um, I think firstly, we are individuals and I think we very quickly want to group everyone together. Even within a family of five people, I'm the youngest of five, we are the most different and diverse people uh, from each other. My brothers are twins. They look nothing alike. They are nothing alike. So I think firstly, people want to deny that we're individuals. Uh, we are individuals, our bodies, I mean, look at the banting craze, for example, or people that say, yeah, but you should be vegan. I tried vegetarianism and my iron was shot. And it's a very long story, but people's bodies respond differently. So first of all, I'd like to say we are individuals and that makes it very difficult for us to judge why people do things. Um, but I think it is, there's a massive element of social, socialization and obviously there's always the question whether people are born evil or not, or whether people are born uh, good people or whether they're born sociable people. I think that's very, very difficult. Um, if I look at my family, we were uh, raised very social because my father was a minister of the church and there were constantly people around. And I mean, I had to talk someone down from suicide when I was eight years old with my sister who was 11. We had to go grab a Bible and try to do something because this guy had phoned our house and said, I'm going to kill myself. Now my parents aren't there days before cell phones. So it's, a, it's, it's the way you are raised definitely. Um, and your environment, I think um, we are also very, a lot of us are not as self-aware as we should be. Um, it's not easy to be self-aware because you're constantly thinking about those aspects of your, of your being. At the same time, um, it is extremely important to be aware of why you do things and what you do. And I think there are a lot of people that just aren't aware. Um, self-aware. And that's where a lot of the issues come in. They don't self-evaluate. We don't self-evaluate. We don't look at ourselves and say, listen, but did I do the right thing now? Um, should I not have treated the situation differently? I think very few of us do that. Um, so we'll react based on emotion, but not necessarily on intellectual questions we ask ourselves about why we did something. Um, and that's where I think a lot of conflict comes in. But yo. You can have to ask, um, I think if you start focusing on micro issues, I mean, I, for example, want to know why people molest, why, why would someone molest? And someone say, yeah, but he was probably molested as a child himself, or she had that experience, whatever the case may be, or they were just born that way, or their hormones are out of balance, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so many different reasons for why people do something, but the important part of it is to try and understand why. There's always a reason why someone is doing something. Um, but it is a very difficult and complicated question. Everybody, with even if they're in the same community, the same area, have completely different experiences in life. Um, and those all form us. Yeah, I think that is quite a multifaceted question and it can get quite complex, as you mentioned, because the human species is actually quite complex itself. But I think we can definitely deal with a lot of our current um, problems that we have, especially in South Africa, where we have, for, for instance, we have our gender-based violence at this moment, which is a huge issue. I think we can definitely tackle that with things that you mentioned just now, with things like um, self-awareness, um, just being able to aware of what we are doing and couple that with what you mentioned earlier, where you said we should be understanding the other, understanding people and understanding you know, our smaller communities being more integrated with each other, couple that with your self-awareness, self-reflection, and we can maybe start making small changes as we go forward. So I know that is a, a big fear for South Africa at this point. Have you got any fears that are in your mind at this point that you want to share? I think I've got the same fears as everybody else. Um, I think the important part is just to keep those fears on the rational side. That's all I'm going to say. And not um, treat everybody based on what someone in their group has done. That's something that bothers me immensely is that you, um, because the, let's say for example, this, the one, the rapist, um, that has now played guilty as well, uh, not immediately say, you know, he comes from that gender, he comes from that race, he comes from that neighborhood and suddenly everybody from that group is now on our rapists. I think that's a massive issue in South Africa. We stereotype heavily. Um, and I hate that. Um, I'm a woman, I'm blonde, so I obviously can't drive. I have no brain. Um, I probably didn't study. And if I did, it was BA, which I did, but yeah. <laughs> uh, 
a bachelor's. So the thing is, there are too many stereotypes that put people in boxes. And the moment you put them there, you've, you've made up your mind about them. And I think that's very, very scary. And I think that's happening all over the world at the moment is that we say, for example, let's say there's a white guy who made a racist statement. Suddenly all white people are racist. Um, and and I, that's scary to me. So, or a black guy says something uh, that is in line with communism, not that there's, you know, it's your decision what kind of political views you want, uh, but from your perspective, suddenly now everybody um, is in that direction or whatever the case might be. So, um, or you are English, white, South African, you must be liberal. You know what I'm saying? It, who, who knows? Maybe you're not liberal. Um, so we just put each other in such in boxes, and I hate that. And the moment you do that, it's also very dangerous. Um, if you start judging people based on the group they come from, I hate that. Again, we are individuals and we are a larger society, but we tend to, because we get angry and because we want to uh, be able to blame someone, or give a reason for something, we immediately put people in a box. Um, and I have a massive issue with that. And in South Africa, it's a, it's a big issue as well. I think everywhere, I think in America, you're seeing it a lot at the moment as well. No, that's definitely very true. I think that we can definitely deal with these cases like on its own instead of, you know, like you said, try and spread it over everyone. If one person did something, we're going to say that the next person that looks like that person is the same. And that's a terrible way of of categorizing these type of situations where it's actually going to limit others that are, that have nothing to do with the situation. And I think as a, probably as a man, I can also speak for this with this gender-based violence where now every man is going to be categorized as a, you know, molester or a rapist where it's not necessarily the case, but um, yeah, we're going to try our best and see how we can tackle that problem from one side. I just want a question for you in terms of being based or, or, being in a wheelchair, do you think that has provided you with new perspective um, as being willing to go through challenges? So what I'm, I think what I'm asking is being placed or, being, or having restrictions on your own life, has that enabled you to then say, cool, now I can move through these blocks instead of living, like we said earlier, that mild you know, life, that very chilled, mellow, not doing anything in life. Do you think um, having restrictions is a good thing? It might, you know, and it enables you to see a new perspective, helps us grow. Definitely. It's the same way I feel kind of about student loans. <laughs> I need to go through that hell to just appreciate the fact that you have three or two. Um, and I think a lot of people have it easy and their parents pay for everything and then they, yeah, then they party quite hard. It's not, not everybody, but I, I see that quite a lot. But yeah, I do, I was a, I think you're a different person afterwards. You can't not change. Um, and I definitely changed. I always say the perspective, for example, I would not have had the perspective I had in terms of the interviews I do. Um, I would never have been able to do the interviews in the way I do those interviews if I didn't have the perspective I have today. And you have that perspective because you've gone through what you've gone through, like all of us. Um, so definitely, I always say um, struggle is one of the best character builders in the world. Um, and that's what's important. I, I, I don't wish it on anybody. I don't wish any struggle, heartache on anybody. But unfortunately, that is one of the few ways in which you grow um, and in which develops you as a person. So definitely, I think um, it has. It's not easy to say, yes, it's a good thing that, that this happened to me, that I'm in a wheelchair, because none of it's easy, as I said earlier. But I would not have been the person I am today if it wasn't for the fact that I'm in a wheelchair. That I can't. It's undeniable. Um, and at some point, you just need to admit that it has played this role in your life. Um, and I don't know what kind of life I would have had. Might have been like a chill and nice and easy. Who knows? Uh, but I'm glad I am at the point where I am. I'm glad that I've got the life that I had. I don't think I ever would have had the experiences that I've had thus far if it wasn't for the fact that I'm in a wheelchair. I mean, I was invited to so many overseas trips. I've experienced amazing things. I get, I get to go do talks and meet people I would have never met. Um, and I have access to interesting people that I would have never had. Um, so it's undeniable, definitely, that um, I am in this point in my life because of the fact that I'm in a wheelchair doesn't make it easier, but it's, that is the truth. Yeah. 
Yeah, it almost goes in with what we said earlier about the, the comfort zones, where if you jump into or out rather out of your comfort zone, it, it will open up new challenges. I guess that's part of what helps us grow and what helps us develop into better human beings. And I think in your case, it's interesting because I feel that because of your situation, I think your life has grown exponentially just because of that perspective change. And I, and I also, I like thinking in terms of challenges, what impacts they help us make later at a later stage in life, where if you a better person, you know, you've grown a lot, you're able to create such a bigger impact in life. I, I think I'm very like fond of, of impact and what we can do as human beings, not just growing ourselves, but then what we can do with this better version of ourselves. Yeah. I know previously in this interview, you also mentioned something about, being exposed to more of life, almost like knowing more, can in a way restrict you because then you, you, you're almost smarter. So you're going to rationalize every single thing and that actually can make you indecisive. I just want to know how you tackle that because now you want to get smarter. You want to be able to be self-aware, but like there's also a trap to that caveat. So how do you, how do you approach this? When it comes to indecisiveness, I'm a bit of a contradictory person. Um, and I think that's because I think people should be allowed to make their own decisions. So let's say you are religious. Uh, when it comes to big religious questions, I don't judge anybody for what they do. It's first of all, not my, it's not going to be me judging that person at the end of the whatever golden little gates they always talk about. Um, it is your decision. You're, you are a person and you have gone through things. I've messed up badly in life. Um, and you get out the other side and you hope you can do better. Um, I think when it comes to being informed, it is, it's a, it's, I think it's a bit of a media. Uh, I want to say it's a good thing. And sometimes it's a very bad thing. Like you say, you know, too. Um, I'm one of those, I don't know if you guys know that skit on SNL where the Debbie Downer skit, and then everybody's sitting around a table, having a great time, having a lack of pizza. And then she comes in and she's, and it's dun, dun, dun. But did you know, pizza causes cancer or whatever, not that it does. But, and I sometimes feel like that. And I'm, you sit in a restaurant and someone wants to order the king clip. And I'm like, um, sorry, did you know it's on the orange list <laughs> on Sassy? <laughs> and it's only because you do those interviews the whole time. Um, did you know you shouldn't use, you know, foil or whatever, because it causes that. And then you need to tell yourself, shut up, but these people are just trying to socialize, let it go. Um, so sometimes you do, you do need to call yourself um, on it and, and be quiet. But I like the fact that I don't um, easily have a straight opinion opinion about something. Sometimes, sometimes things are black and white, and we should stop using that term, by the way, as well. It's a weird concept, black and white. Uh, but sometimes things are straightforward, and sometimes it's not. Um, but at the same time, most of the time in life, things are grey, and I don't I don't say yes or no. I, I agree or I don't agree based on anything until I've known that individual person's story. So we're back to that individual experience. Um, because I look at my life and everything in my life is extremely, it's, it's different than most people's lives. And I would hate to be judged based on someone else's experience just because that's the way they did it. I don't know if that makes sense, but, but deciding on whether you agree with something or not, um, should be based on that individual person's experience, how someone reacted in that moment. Um, what, what were the circumstances? I think we very quickly judge someone for, uh, something like, for example, that Ramaphosa, our president's interview, the wrong interview was broadcast and he was absolutely slated on online for making a mistake and asking to restart the interview. And it was about the gender violence and people were very emotional now, or are very emotional now in this time. And I'm just thinking, do you guys have any idea what this person probably deals with every day in his life? Um, all the aspects he, he has to take in mind, sitting there and doing a speech now that he obviously had help preparing because he has so much on his plate. Uh, nobody takes any of that into, into, um, takes it, you know, takes it into consideration because he should be perfect. He should, how dare he say, Oh, come on guys. Sorry. I made the mistake. Can we start this over again with a bit of a smile on his face? And suddenly he doesn't care. Um, so I think we judge extremely quickly and we judge things based on headlines. That's my, biggest issue when it comes to deciding which way you're going on a topic as we read the headline and now we've got an opinion. So to me, it's always important to look at the entire perspective of something before we make, uh, make decisions. Yeah. And I think I, I just want to jump on that quickly where I think we can definitely practice a little bit more kindness and just jump into someone else's shoes before, like you said, judging straight away. I think that's also a key skill that we as human beings can 
at least try and practice throughout our day. What is your, we, we're almost like heading towards the end of the interview now, but what is one of your, I'm very curious to know, your morning routines. Do you have a morning routine, you have something like that sets up your day or, you know, that gets you into this optimist mood? Because you look like an optimist. You look like someone that sees life from that end and not like a realist or a pessimist or you, you just try and see things like we said earlier, we try and see around the, the block, we try and see the solutions or we try and find the solutions at least and think there's an answer for our problem. Again, extremely um, contradictive because, you know, what what matters? Nothing matters. Kind of the moments and then um, be positive and fight uh, because we are here now. So I'm, I'm an extreme realist. Um, and that I think peop- a lot of people see realism as quite negative. I see it as very positive. And realism is that I'm here now. So what are you going to do if you if you if you're really just sit here and do nothing? No, you're still going to take the day. I am still here. I am still alive. We are still here. Um, try and fight the good fights. Try and recycle. Try and do your best. So I am a very positive person because I I can't stand it when someone says, you know, they go sit and they just give up. I I can't give up. So at least there's that. So there is a positivity there. At the same time, I sometimes think we are stardust. So what are we really? Um, I do ask those questions for myself as well. Uh, but I always think I want to have an impact on how someone feels. So while we're here, we should be drinking the good wine, eating the lacquer food and making people feel well. Um, and that's the best we can do. We, the best we can do is just to develop ourselves and do the best with what we've got now. So there's a bit of a mix of positive and realism. I hope that's coming through the way I mean it. Um, but morning routine, ugh, I, I love coffee. So it's a, definitely a coffee thing. Hard boiled egg because we have the ever fight with white. <laughs> Yay. Or we do a, or we do a fasting a little bit until a bit later. But, um, I, I didn't really do exercise in the mornings because I, my show always started at nine. So it's always a bit of every minute you can spare is great to prep. So we are prepared quite far in advance, but to get your day ready. Now that my show has moved to 12 o'clock, I'm super chill in the morning. So I almost don't know what what to do with myself. You can get up when you want to get up. Um, And then, yeah, I don't really have a routine in the morning. I think it's important to check what's going on on, in in terms of news. So I go through all the news sites, um, see what's happening in the world with your cup of coffee, and then um, get ready. Very chill. Emails, obviously. I think it's a very standard morning routine, unfortunately. Sorry about that. I didn't have anything more exciting for you. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people go climb Signal Hill or Table Mountain, like our good friend Andrew Patterson, but um, that is not not me. Um, I do my exercises in the the afternoon. My more important personal routine is more in in the afternoons. So I get home, tea, um, exercise in front of some series I'm watching, and then I've and then you chill or what do do whatever you need to do for the day. But yeah, sorry, no no exciting morning routine this side. I think of, at the end of the day, to me, I just want to hear that you're doing something that works for you, and you're not doing something that you you adopted from someone else um, that you might be able to optimize in your own life and to get what you want in life. You know, you're not setting up in the morning stressed out, you, it seems like you're very like relaxed towards your morning, which is a good thing. I think then you're more open to what life is going to offer you that day and you're more able to make good decisions in the day. So yeah, as we're getting to the end of this, I just want to know that since it's your calling or it feels like it's your calling to go out and help people get onto the right path for them, it seems like it's a calling for you. What actionable advice would you like to leave people with today in terms of perhaps changing perception or change perspective in their lives, something that can, you know, switch them a little bit onto their path. Is there something that you want to leave? I know it's a very general question, but is there something that might be able to impact someone today listening? Yeah. Um, um, I, I've, I've always um, been quite anti-inspiring people because I didn't want to be that, I, I didn't want to be put on that pedestal. I, I yeah. find that an extremely uh, uncomfortable place. <laughs> talking about discomfort, but <laughs> the thing is a lot of people, it doesn't matter who you are, you are going to make, make mistakes. And I sometimes tell people, you know, if you really knew me, you might not like me that much. Uh, I think I'm a nice and good person, but you know, some of the, 
some of the older listeners who are more conservative, for example, and then say, oh, I love your show. You're so nice. I'm, I look at it. My disclaimer is always, don't, don't read something about me in the future and tell me I didn't say this. Um, and I say, no, but, you know, I'm not always such a good person. I do try, but I'm not always such a good person. And then, you know, and then the, the, the woman would tell me, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. So I don't think people always really want to know you. But yeah, so I've... I've um, but then you get the feed, get the feedback from people saying, I hear your voice in the morning. I'm, I'm struggling to get out of bed and I feel depressed. And I've received more than one email about this. And that's what kind of put me on this path. Like you said, where they say, um, if you sound positive and you, if you can be positive, I can get out of bed and go do my thing. I think, um, it is a very simple thing. And it, this, the simplicity of just taking everything one step at a time and not, overthinking everything and thinking of the absolute worst thing that can possibly happen all the time. Um, we need to understand that we do not have control over life. A lot of people want to control everything. Um, the moment you give over that control, and I'm not saying don't control your finances. I'm not saying uh, not try and make things better. There are things that, we, that you can have an impact on, but I have found you have absolutely minimal control over your life. Uh, what happened to me, I thought I was going to have this normal, straightforward life and suddenly out of the blue, um, the universe, God, the world, whatever you want to call it, comes and tells you, sorry, you don't have control about your future, of your future. This is now the path we're putting you on. I absolutely no control over that. Um, and I've been in many situations in my life where I find I have no control over it. And then I just, I give over control. The moment you realize I can't control the situation, you also, I mean, you almost kind of relax into it a little bit. Um, so I'm not saying don't fight, don't develop. I mean, it, I know it sounds contradictory, but first of all, accept the fact that you don't have control over everything because we are stressing about not having control over everything so much that it becomes debilitating. That in the end, because you're stressing about the fact that you can't control things, you don't do anything either. Because what if, what if I can't control it? So I don't go on some kind of adventure because I can't control all the circumstances in the adventure and then you don't do it and then you don't develop. Um, so I think that's an important part in the beginning and then just telling yourself, um, yes, you can. Uh, it sounds like a Barack Obama slogan, but anyway, yes, we can. But that is the truth. Um, you can, your dreams are out there. You've, you've got a very specific dream. You say, oh no, it's never going to happen. And I said before, just start, take that one step and that dream might change on the path that you've taken. But take the first step. Don't look at, at the entirety of it. If you want to write a book, for example, don't look and say, okay, well, I've got to write 250 pages minimum. Um, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Um, is it going to, am I going to expose myself on a personal level too much? Stop thinking about that. Just start writing, put it, put it down. Um, if you want to start a business, just start with the concept, work out the business plan, for example, in the beginning, take that first step. And then you feel more comfortable, you take the second step, etc. You don't have to commit to anything. Just take that first step. That's all I can tell people. If you don't take the first step, you're never going to do anything. And that's what it comes down to for me. And everything comes to the point where people will tell you, yes, you can. And no, you can't. Um, I've been told, no, you can't. As I said before, on so many levels. And it really is that. And the no, you can't in your own head is debilitating. In the end, you don't do anything. So don't do that and go challenge yourself. And I love Europe. There's nothing wrong with Europe. I've been there many times. I've supported the economy there many times and I've had great times. But if you really want to grow, uh, go tour to Rwanda, Tanzania, those places. Um, go to places that are off the beaten track, a little bit different um, because that's where you change as a person. I don't think you change within a comfortable space. You change and you develop when you've challenged yourself. Um, but yeah, the thing is that it becomes a bit preachy and I think people need to make their own decisions, obviously in the end, but take a deep breath and realize that you, you need to have some fun and you need to just take that first step and you need to let go about, uh, of the stuff that you really cannot control. You can only do that much. We, for example, look at, um, issues of violence or of crime and you get to a point where you get so stressed about it that you... It, it's, I use the, the word debilitating not often, but that's literally what it does. It puts you in a position of non-reaction and non-action. Um, all you can do is make yourself as safe as you can. Same with finances. All you can do is save as much as you can. You only have that much control over life. 
That's all you can do. Same with your health. Do what you can and the rest you've just got to let go of. But take that first step, please. But yeah, awesome. Thank you for that advice. I think people are definitely going to take that, break down the, the big vision or the big dream and just take it in step-by-step form. And like you said, otherwise you're going to disempower yourself and just stand and do nothing anyway. So might as well take that first step. I hope everyone that's listening out there is going to just take the first step today towards your dream or towards your vision, wherever you're going. So as we end off, I know people can find you on here from 12 every day, but where else can people get hold of you? Uh, yo, okay. So everywhere on social media, I guess, if they feel like it, go have a look. Uh, we are there. Um, I don't do that many selfies if that makes it better. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I hope that makes it better that I don't do selfies that often. I think um, yo, selfies is a bit of an interesting topic. That's a topic for a different time. Love <laughs> selfies, but yeah, so go check it out. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or under my name, Martley Sprink. Um, and hopefully some of the photos, it'll probably at the moment inspire you more in terms of good wine and good food <laughs> because that's all that's happening on my Facebook and my Twitter feeds at the moment. Um, but hopefully, yeah, there's uh, something that'll inspire you in life. Awesome. As long as people can relate in some way and just, yeah, like you said, be inspired. It doesn't matter which way that is, um, whether maybe, maybe they see something in your food or your wine and they want to start something in that or just, they just want to connect at least, you know, as a human yeah. being. So thank you for that. I'm going to link it in the show notes of this episode for anyone that's listening and want to get hold of Martelise. I'm going to add that in the show notes for you to get. But Martelise, Martelise, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for being strong and courageous and just living on, mostly living on the other side of fear. You know, it just brings joy into, um, I feel, into our lives and just becoming a better and bigger version of yourself. I think your, your positivity and just your, your zeal for life is very contagious. Like I can even feel the energy. It's amazing. And I, I truly believe that you will continue to impact thousands and thousands of others and keep, you know, inspiring people to just see past their restrictions, change their perception of life, and then truly go and live their, their path that they're meant to live. So thank you very much for, for being on the show. Thank you very much. And thank you for having this podcast. It's really, really cool that you're doing this. And hopefully people will see all the possibilities there are in life. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Bartolis. Cheers. Wow, there you go, guys. That was an amazing, an amazing interview with Martelis today. And I hope that you got some value out of that. I hope that you learned something new. I hope that you can now take one step at a time, use your stubbornness to move forward in life and just say yes to more opportunities without knowing the how first, but just knowing that it will get done. You will find the way and you will live out of outside of your comfort zone. But yeah, having said that, if you enjoyed the episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes. If you are listening on iTunes, alternatively, just get in touch. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. So via my Facebook page, Exploring Possibility, or on Instagram. I'll link all of those. I'll put all of those links in the show notes of this episode. So you can just jump in and quickly get in touch if you liked any of the content that we put out. If you've got any feedback or you just want to recommend upcoming or, or future potential guests please get in touch so we can dive into those and do some research on who to get next on the show yeah guys once again thank you so much for listening and i hope you guys have a fantastic day i really encourage you to see the possibility cheers